0: This morning we are getting back to the Gospel of John. Uh, Remember in 2018 when I finished chapter 10, we took a break. And last year we are going through the 7th chapter of the book of Joshua. And we concluded that short series from the 7th chapter of the book of Joshua. And we are now back to the Gospel of John. So let's read the first 16 verses of the 11th chapter. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying this thing, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him up. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, let, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. As I said, we are back in the Gospel of John after a break, uh, and the last time we had looked, we were going through chapter 10, And we concluded chapter ten and then we had done two other series in between. And this morning we get back to chapter ten, the chapter eleven, rather we begin chapter eleven, having finished chapter ten. And this morning we are in a chapter that is known to most of us because of the story of the raising of Lazarus to life. The account of the raising of Lazarus uh, to life is a climatic sign in the Gospel of John. You know, the other signs recorded in the Gospel of John, the turning of water into wine, the the healing of the man that was invalid for 37 years, the feeding of the 5,000 with the two loaves of bread, illustrates some particular aspect of Jesus' divine authority, but this one recorded in John chapter 11 demonstrates the Lord Jesus' power over the last and most irresistible enemy of humanity, death. And here the Lord Jesus Christ shows us that he has power over death And He is the true life. And so you see that John gives it a prominent place in his gospel. And as he records this, it shows that this was also to be the last public miracle recorded in the gospel of John before the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross. So as he deals with this, the Apostle John brings to us and shows us that as the Lord Jesus Christ was bringing Lazarus from the dead, he was also pointing to the fact that he will soon die in Jerusalem and his death will be for the forgiveness of sin, or rather his death will provide that door for the forgiveness of sin. And so it's a very important uh, chapter, but also a very important miracle, because it connects what the the Lord Jesus Christ has been doing and now his final moments on earth. And it it also occasioned the decision of the Lord Jesus Christ's enemies to do away with him. When now his miracle of... Bringing Lazarus back to life was making its way around. His enemies were determined more than ever to not only deal with Lazarus, but also to put an end uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. But furthermore, this episode uh, contains a strong personal command to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in a time of crisis when such belief would be most difficult. And so here is a passage for our our careful study. Particularly as we face life on earth, there will be those moments in which the Lord calls us to trust in Him, even when it appears to be most difficult. There will be those moments <coughs> when we cry out to the Lord over a particular issue and he appears as if he's delaying to respond to our prayers. And this is important, especially as we live in this world where we are surrounded by instant everything, instant gratification, instant food instant results, instant messages, instant this, instant that, we are once again drawn to this passage to help us realize that when we call upon God for a particular thing, God responds not according to our timetable, but according to His timetable. And we must understand That in those moments, when we feel God is delaying in giving us a response, it is the delays of divine love. It is a God delaying to give us the answer we need, but that delay is rooted in the infinite character of the God who is love. And so as we open up these uh, first six verses, we need to try and ask ourselves questions. What is this episode teaching us? What are the lessons that God would want us to learn from this particular portion of the Scriptures? And the first thing I'd like us to uh, to see uh, from this portion of Scripture is that In those moments when we feel God is delaying to respond to us, we must always remember that Jesus Christ is the Christian's best friend or best help in time of need. Jesus Christ is the Christian's best friend in time or in times of need. And you can see this from, you pick something of this in verse 1 through to verse 3 and the first part of verse 3. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Whose brother Lazarus was ill, verse 3, Saw so the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So the sisters sent to him. And we read those words of the actions of the sisters of brothers uh, who, when they assess what they were going through, when they're in time of need, They sent message to the Lord Jesus Christ and laid the matter before the Lord Jesus Christ. They did recognize that that Jesus was the best help they would get in this time of need, in this time of crisis that was at hand. And their message was simple and touching. They simply say, Lord, he whom you love is ill. They do not ask Christ to come to them at once, or to work to a miracle, or even to, to command the disease to depart. But they only say to him, Lord, the one you love is ill. And they left the matter to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure they did that in full view or in full belief that Christ would do what was best in this situation. And whatever the outcome was going to be, one thing they recognized was that Christ was going to do that which was best in this situation and showing to us that they did recognize that while there were many other avenues that they would have gone to in terms of seeking help and there was, nothing, there was nothing wrong with that but they did recognize that the best friend in this time is the Lord Jesus Christ and so they had faith in Christ But also, the sisters' actions show us the humility that they had. They recognized that our help is outside of us. And so they called upon Christ. And you see that this was a gracious submission of the will. Their will. They could have made a lot of demands. Uh, Upon Christ. But all they did was to acquaint Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, with, with their need and leave it there. Before Martha and Mary sent this request to Christ, they must have borne the weight of their brother's illness alone. But now, as they shared this issue, this need, they recognized that Christ would shoulder this need with them. And so as they shared, they did recognize that they need Christ is able to relate with them. He is able to feel their pain. He is able to feel what they are going through. Christ loved this family. And this is what we need to learn. That yes, when those whom we love are sick, we must use diligently every reasonable means for their recovery. We must do what we can. We must not spare any resources. We must try and obtain the best medical advice that we can. But in doing all these things, we must never forget that the best and the wisest helper we have as Christians in time of need is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. We must not forget that Jesus Christ is able to sympathize with us. He is a high priest that is involved In our day to day lives. And so we must be able in this time as we are doing all we can, we must be able to take the matter before God in prayer. We must be able to wrestle with Christ in prayer. And it is a comforting thing to bring such matters that troubles us before Christ. Because in doing so as God's children we are telling ourselves that Jesus Christ is involved in our lives and He is the best of helps that we can get in this life. And even when we feel like He's delaying in responding to our request, we must remember that He is the best help in time of need. Even if He does not answer our prayers as expected, we still must remember He is the best help in time of need. He is our High Priest, who sympathizes with our need. He is our Savior, one who understands the troubles of life on earth, and one who's able to respond accordingly at the right time. And this must cause us that whenever we are faced with any challenging situation, or whenever we are faced with anything in life, that as we are doing everything humanly possible we must not forget our best friend the lord jesus christ who lived in this earth walked on this earth lived on this earth and understands the limitations of human life jesus christ is the best friend in time of need. Is the Christian's best friend in time of need. And we see here that Martha and Mary recognize that. But the second thing I'd like to draw your attention to is is the fact that Jesus loves all who are truly his disciples. He loves all who are truly his disciples. The last part of verse 3 and then verse 5. So the sister said to him, saying, rather the sis- so the sisters sent to him, saying, listen, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And you see there that the sisters appealed to Jesus' love for his children. His love for his disciples. It was in God's love rather than in the love of man they took refuge. And we see John there trying to communicate what is happening there. In verse 3, the message from the sisters had talked of Jesus' love for Lazarus simply as a personal affection. But in verse 5, where now the Holy Spirit records or shows through John that Jesus' love for Lazarus was far deeper and more meaningful than just a personal affection. Christ truly loved Lazarus. That's why when you get to verse 35, you actually see Christ weeping because of this deeper and meaningful love he had for Lazarus and the sisters. And so we see that they too recognized that the only way to appeal to, to, to their best friend the Lord Jesus Christ was to appeal to his love for them. They appealed to Jesus not claiming Anything. Not even saying, Lord, remember how often we've entertained you in our home. How often you've been a guest in our home. Lord, you know, you actually owe us. Their love for him was not worth speaking about. But his love for them was something they could not exhaust. It is something they could not speak about enough. And so their appeal was not that they loved him, but that he loved them. Their appeal was that, Lord, he whom you have a deeper and a meaningful affection and relationship and love, is in. They appealed to his love that he had loved them freely even when there was nothing in them to love. They appealed to him that he had loved them faithfully even when they were faithless. They appealed to him that he had loved them with an everlasting love. And this was the only ground for their appeal. And this is the only ground that any of us can ever have in approaching the Lord Jesus Christ. He owes us nothing, but his love is everything. And our love for Christ is merely the fruit of the love we've received from Him. How many of us in times of need would approach God, claiming so many things? How many times have you gone before God when you face this impasse and you begin to recount to God how much you've done for Him? How many of us, when we are in time of need, begin by, first of all, trying to convince yourself that maybe I'm going through this period in life because I've not saved God more, I've not loved God more, I have not been committed to this God, and all those are inadequacies. They are inadequate before God. They cannot be grounds for appeal to the Lord Jesus Christ. The only ground of appeal is for you to go to Him if you are His child and appeal to His love for you. This love that made Him to leave the realms of heaven and to die on the cross. It is that love That is our appeal, when we are in need. So I ask this morning, dear Christian, do you find yourself doubting God's love when you are in time of need? In those moments when you feel overwhelmed, do you find yourself doubting God's love for you? Even if a need seems to be impossible, do you find yourself doubting God's love? Do you doubt God's immeasurable love for you? And I want to remind you this morning, that if that's you, Or maybe there's something that you're going through causing you to doubt God's love. I want you to take a walk into Bethlehem and go to the manger and see the darling of heaven as a helpless baby. Walk into Calvary and look at the cross. And here, the only begotten Son of God crying out, My God, My God, why have you forsaken me? If you doubt God's love for you, walk with Him in the wilderness and see Him spend 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by the serpent, or being tempted by Satan. And see him image victorious, so that he might prove to you that you can safely trust him as a sinless, perfect Savior. Amen. Do you still doubt his love? Walk with him in the garden of Gethsemane, and hear him in, ang- in agony and in anguish of spirit laying prone upon the ground, suffering because He was about to take your place. Do you have anything more that the Son of God could have done to prove to you that He loves you? What else? What evidence do you want? What more evidence do you need that he would have done to show you his great love for you? What additional evidence do you need for him to prove to you that he loves you? What other facts do you want? do you need in order that your heart may be fully convinced that he loves you that is your savior he died for you do you feel the force of this appeal in the sisters when they say to the lord jesus christ he whom you love is sick the Bible showing us that Jesus loved Martha Mary and Lazarus And this is our great comfort as God's children that our appeal our only surety is the love of Christ for us Not that because we loved Him, He loved us first and died for us. And so whatever it is that you might be going through, whatever it is that seems to be overwhelming you, whatever it is that seems to to be constantly uh, pending before you and bringing sleepless nights to you, And you've cried out to God. And you feel that he's delaying to respond to you. Oh, remember that he still loves you. It is a delay of divine love. It is a delay that is coming from one who truly loves you. And you cannot doubt his love. And he's calling you to hold on to that love. To appeal to that love and to rest in that love. The hymn writer says, Love with everlasting love, led by grace, that love to know. And he goes on to say, Things that were once wild alarms cannot now disturb my rest. Why? I have found true love. And I'm resting in that love. And that love which is not because of anything in me, but because of everything in the God of the universe. And if you know nothing of that love, and you're here this morning, oh, I pray that you may cry out to God, that you may plead to him on the basis of the love that he showed us on the cross, that he too, that you too rather may enter into that love. The love that knows no boundaries. The love that is vast as the ocean. If you are to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you too will find that love that love that is beyond all measure. And it is that love that sustains all Christians and continues to assure them that even in the moments of difficulty, Christ is still their Savior. The third thing we'd like us to see as a way of lesson is that Jesus Christ knows best at what time to do anything for his disciples. He knows best at what time to do anything for those he loves. Verse 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. He stayed two more days. Father, it is difficult to understand at this stage of the story why Jesus delayed his return. And especially that we are told that since he loved this family, What we expected to see is that upon getting the news, he makes everything, he does everything possible. He does everything he needs to do in order to travel to Bethany and attend to the family he loved. But here we are told that he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And all we can conclude is that Jesus two days delay was motivated by his love for Martha, Mary and Lazarus. We must not think that Jesus purposefully delayed his going to Bethany because he was waiting for Lazarus to die. When we try to put things chronologically, we can conclude that by the time the messenger was getting to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lazarus had died. And so this delay did not bring about Lazarus' death, Christ knows all things. Even in this moment before the message got to him, he knew that Lazarus had died. And he gives a message to the, uh, to the messenger to, to take a word of comfort to the sisters. No doubt his message must have been puzzling to the sisters. By the time the message was getting to the sisters, Lazarus had been dead. And by the time the Lord Jesus Christ was getting to Bethany, he had been dead for four days. But the message of Christ was to strengthen their faith and to rest in the full assurance that even though Lazarus had died, Christ still loved them and what we see here is that the Lord Jesus Christ delay as I've said did not bring about Lazarus death but that you he, he did rather he knew when best to act and this And his timing was in line with his father's will. His father's mission for him. His will on earth was to do that which his father had sent him to do. And he knew that it was not yet time for him to go to Bethany. Why? Because it was not yet the time time that the father had willed for his son. He came. To do his father's will, so that through his life, the father is glorified, and therefore the son is glorified. And so, by the time the Lord Jesus Christ was getting to Bethany, Lazarus had been dead long enough so that no one could misinterpret the miracle as simply a mere resuscitation of life. This delay was to strengthen the faith of the sisters but also to continue assuring them that even though your brother is dead, I still loved him. I still love you. And I'm concerned on what you're going through. And my actions will result in my Father being glorified. This is what you must learn. That Christ knows the best time when to do anything for his disciples. And this is what we learn from this this delay of divine love. It teaches us that when we feel as if Christ or God is delaying in responding to us, his delay is not because of his indifference to us. Normally from the human point of view, when one delays to do something, it's because of indifference. Or because they are preoccupied with other things. Or they simply do not want to help you. But that's not the case with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not the case with our God. His delay is not because of indifference. His delay is not because he's preoccupied with so many things. His delay is for a purpose. To teach us to learn to trust him. Even when it hurts. Even when it's painful. He wants us to learn to trust Him. To grow our faith in Him. To still stand on His love for us. He teaches us to learn to glorify His name. His delays are vital elements in both the, receive, the revelation of the glory of the Father and the blessing of his people. Christ wanted to glorify His Father, but also to bring a blessing to His people. And what we learn from this is that we must not judge God's actions by our idea or our, our way of timekeeping or our idea of time. Heaven's clock is different from ours. God is never in a hurry. He never comes too early. He never comes too late. His timing is always perfect. And His timing saves His perfor- purpose perfectly the glory of His Father. We must learn that he always acts immediately and decisively when the time is right. God comes at the right time. He is too wise to make a mistake. And so, you could be here this morning and maybe you've been praying for your loved one or you've been praying for, for your child, or, or for your siblings to, to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you feel like he is delaying, may I encourage you to continue praying. He hears your prayers. He loves you. He knows what you're going through. He knows how important that prayer item is. But one thing you must know, he knows when best to act. When the time is right. According to his timetable. And you must not lose heart. Your prayers are not in vain. They are not just simply ever polluting in thin air. And disappearing. No. He hears the cries of those he loves. And he knows how much you've agonized in prayer over this issue. He knows. And he's saying to you, trust me. Continue calling upon me. I will act. And when I act, the result will be for the glory of my Father. And I want all to see that this was as a result of divine act not anything attributed to human accomplishments. Oh, that we may not lose heart. He hears. He's not preoccupied by so many things. Like the way Elijah in 1 Kings 18, he would tease the prophets of Baal. And you'd be telling them, oh, cry out loud, maybe your God is asleep. Or maybe your your God is taking a nap or is busy doing something. Please cry louder. No, that's not our God. He hears the cries of his loved ones. Because those are the cries that go through his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of his love for Christ, he loves you as well. And he knows when to act. Are you tired of pleading with the Lord? Remember those delays are the delays of divine love. They are delays that are rooted in the infinite love of our God. God's love for his own is not a pampering love, a love that spoils those He loves. No. It is a perfecting love. The fact that God loves you and I is no guarantee that we will be sheltered from from the problems and the pains of life. But it is a love to mature us, to become more and more like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ trusted the Father even when it meant that He was to be hung on the cross. He still trusted the Father that the Father knows best. And this is what God wants us to learn. That we must be able to say, I can't understand what I'm going through. Oh, I've been wrestling with God over this issue. But I will trust Him. He knows what He's doing. As old Job would say, though He slain me, I will trust Him. If you are not a Christian this morning, The Bible tells us that when it comes to issues of salvation, there is no delay in God. Help comes instantly. If you call on Him, if you trust Him for the forgiveness of your sins, He will come through for you. This is why He sent His beloved Son. And I want to challenge you this morning. That you may call on God and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He will not delay. He moves in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. While with his children, he is teaching them to be patient and to trust him. With sinners, he is calling them to come to him immediately. There is no delay when it comes to the issue of salvation. Call on Him and He'll answer you. Cry out to Him and He'll respond to you. Believe in Him and He'll give you salvation. And as we close this morning, those of us who are Christians, what is it that is troubling you this morning and you think and you feel God is delaying remember he loves you he died for you and is perfecting you that you may become more like his son the Lord Jesus Christ trust him he knows what time to respond so that his response will cause you to glorify his holy name and that his response will be a testimony to all those who come to hear of what the Lord has done all that you may cry for more grace to trust him But for you, my non-Christian friends, the issue of salvation, there is no delay. Come to Christ today and you will find forgiveness in Him. Amen.